0: Thanks for meeting with us tonight. We ask God that something good would happen right here and right now. That we would be open, that we would be receptive, that God we would just be ready for you to move, for you to speak, God, for you to challenge us. And I pray that we would allow you the space in us and, and the time in us to do what you want to do. That we wouldn't be closed off, we wouldn't be protective, we wouldn't be trying to to prove a point or anything to you, God, I just pray that this will be a time where you speak, this be a time where you challenge us and we respond with an open heart and with a humble heart. So, God, we pray for your hand on this time, we pray, God, for just your love to be all over this time, and I pray, God, that we would respond to you. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You have your Bibles. Let's open up to Romans chapter fourteen. Romans fourteen. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. As an additional reminder, we want to remind you that we do have an interactive feature with our Bible study, mainly for those that are afar and not here present with us. But it's an opportunity to comment or ask questions for our Bible study time. It's our website www.speak. Type S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go to that website, and there's a button there to toggle, and you can leave us a message. And we'll get it, we'll play it, and if it's a question, we'll try to answer it. If it's a comment, we'll share it, but we encourage you to use that feature. Romans chapter 14, verse 22. Would anyone like to volunteer to read that? Romans 14 22. (coughs) So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Thank you. Uh, If you look at, and you can read, I I didn't read the whole section there, but if you look above this, and if you look below it, uh, but especially above it, you see what he's talking about here, there's disputes that were raised over what would be referred to as matters of conscience. And what's meant by that are things that, that people need to make their decisions about. They need to hear from God about. In particular, he was talking about food that had been sacrificed to idols. And there were some people that didn't have any problem with that. They were perfectly just fine getting that food, buying that meat up, and eating it cooking it up and eating it, and there was no problem. Other people, they, they couldn't buy the food, they couldn't eat it because they felt guilty about it. Because they knew it had been sacrificed and they didn't feel right about eating it. So they had a certain uh, leading or a certain conscience about it that other people didn't have. And so Paul was trying to discuss this with the church, and basically what he was telling people is that, well, if you have a freedom in this area, then that's good, you have freedom in that area. But keep it to yourself. Because there's other people that don't have a freedom in that area. And so you don't necessarily want to just throw that in somebody's face or tell them that they're weak because they can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. And that you're stronger because you can. Or you you, you shouldn't, you should be able to do this. Or whatever it is that people would be saying to them. Because that was the issue, that there was division that was being sown into the church. And there was division being sown among people. Because there were different perspectives on this and there are different things that I would I, I could firmly believe different things that God has spoken to different people about it. There are probably people that were a lot more sensitive to things like that, and God spoke to them and said, Stay away from that. And so and, and then on the other hand, you got those people that God spoke to and said, Stay away from it, that were looking at the people that could eat that meat, that didn't have any conscience about it whatsoever, and they were saying, How can you do that? Don't you know that's dirty? Don't you know that's sin? And and so they were sowing division the other way too. So you got the one side saying you should be stronger. I can't believe this bothers you. And you got the other side saying I can't believe you're doing that. You're really living in sin with that. (coughs) So what what arises from that? Arguments, sure. What else arises from that? Uh, Hard feelings, divisions, all those kind of things arise from that. And so Paul he's bringing, bringing forth a a word to the church, a word of wisdom. Uh, and and what, he, what he's really bringing forth is the idea about what it means to be a peacemaker. Because everybody, you know, they, they talk about, oh, I want peace. I wish for peace. That's what I want. Lord, grant peace into the church. And you can pray, make that their prayer or whatever. We all like peace. Peace is something we can agree on, right? More peace. Mm-hmm. Let's give more peace. We all want more peace. All right, and, and we'll even talk loudly about it. And you'll, no, you'll notice people will talk loudly about peace. Well, you know, we want peace. If you've ever noticed, and, and I don't mean this in any mean way. This is not mean-spirited at all. But if you've ever noticed when there's people that we've never seen before come into the church and they decide that they're going to pray about something, like they see people praying out loud and they want to participate, one of the things that they will always pray for is peace. peace peace because that's what people want. We can agree on that. And so they're going to pray loudly. they to pray a lot about that. The issue is, is that people will say they want peace. People even say they want peace loudly, but they don't follow the things that make for peace. That's the problem. You can say you want peace. Oh, I want peace my home. Well, then you need to follow the things that make for peace. Oh, I want peace at my job. Well, then you need to follow the things that make for peace. If that's what you want. Really. If you don't want to just talk about it, loudly or not, quietly or loudly, if you want to move beyond the talking phase, notice what Jesus said, blessed are the peace talkers, The Makers, Peacemakers, Peacemakers, (laughs) Peacemakers. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the Peacemakers, Makers, not the Peace Talkers. There's a good distinction there, right? Right? Quiet talkers, loud talkers, doesn't matter, still not the Blessed ones. Blessed are the Peacemakers, in other words, they follow the things that make for peace. Definitely not the pot stirrers. Not the pot stirrers, no. And so Romans 14, is Paul's instruction. And, and I'm not going to get too heavily, at least I don't think I'm going to get too heavily, into matters of conscience tonight. I don't, I don't know that I'm really going to talk about those too much. You know why? Because <laughs> they're matters of conscience. And the more I start talking about them, the, la- the more they become somebody's opinion. Instead of something between you and God. Now even even as I'm preparing this, I'm reading over some manuscripts, reading over some people's opinions about this verse. Guess how many of them launched into talking about their opinion on matters of conscience while they're discussing this verse? I mean, how ridiculous is that? Pretty ridiculous. Think about it. Ridiculous. (laughs) And there were a lot of them that did it. And I'll just read through it and I'm like, did you not read the verse? What does it say here? And so it talks about, and, and, and I think it talks about what faith we have. You know, and we do have different kinds of faith and levels of faith. And we do have faith about certain things, but maybe not about other things. But you may have faith about some things that other people don't have about things. You know, all right, there's people that have faith about you know praying for cars and they get healed or fixed. All right, I don't have I have hardly any faith with that, <laughs> and I mean that. And so I need somebody with me, or I need to text somebody that something's wrong with my car, so that they can pray for it and we can stand by each other because I know they have faith in that area and I don't. And that's okay. I, I understand my limitation in that area. And some of us have faith in certain areas and we. We don't have faith in certain areas. And then we look at uh, freedom and liberties and our life and all of that. And, and so that, that faith and, and what that means and how that manifests in our life, the exhibition of that faith is going to appear differently for each of us. At least a little bit. I mean, there's always some similarities. There's always some things we have in common. But, I mean, there are certain things that we're not going to have in common, and that's good, and that's okay, and that's what makes us a body. That the hand isn't the foot, and the ear isn't the eye, and the mouth you know, isn't the belly button, and all the rest of those kind of things. And it's okay, and it's good that there's diversity, and it's good that we're not all functioning exactly the same way. <coughs> we don't want to function all exactly the same way. We need the diversity in order to really function And be fully what God's called us to be. And so, Paul's instruction is that we're to keep it between us and God. Just keep it between you and God. What is your faith? What does your faith allow? What does your conscience allow? What has God spoken to you about? What has He not spoken to you about? What's important to you? What's not important to you? What matters? What doesn't matter? And it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with the person next to you. That's not what I'm talking about. Because these aren't those kind of matters. It's like If you have, let's say you have freedom for whatever it is you have freedom for. Alright? And, and it could be anything. It could be anything. Paul was talking about eating food, sacrificed to idols. I know that's not a big deal in the United States. I know it's not. We don't really deal with that. You know where that was a big deal? Or is a big deal? is in Senegal. <coughs> where our missionaries are. Because there's food, that, and there's, there's animals that are sacrificed to idols in Senegal, and that food does become available. Should they eat it or should they not? Should they eat at a feast or a festival where animals are sacrificed? It's, it's an issue. And there's some people that will and there's some people that won't. won't. Right, but they have to make that decision. And there's people that agree with them and there's people that don't. And there's people that would eat with them, and there's people that won't eat with them. And, and and that's just the way that it is. But what, no matter what, your opinion on those type things, whether you agree, or you disagree, or you have an alternative way of thinking about it, or seeing it, or what's allowed for you, or whatever, that's something that you need to keep between yourself and God. Now, for example, and again, I don't want to go into these too many times, but for example, a big deal, when I was first a Christian, way back, way back, all right, back in the 80s, when I first became a Christian, a big deal that was going on then was listening to certain types of music. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. And so, that some Christians listened to the radio and some Christians didn't. Some people listen to secular music. Some, people, some Christians only listen to Christian music. And that became a big deal. Why did it become a big deal? It became a big deal because, say, say, I can listen to anything I want. Well, I got the radio on, but I got people in my room that I know have a problem listening to the radio. So that creates an issue. Or, I got people that aren't listening to anything other than Christian music, and they're saying that's really what God says and that's what you should be doing and I can't believe you're listening to that kind of music, you sinner. sinner. And so then there's a problem that way. The real issue there was is that that wasn't really a doctrinal issue. That wasn't something that we could look in the Scriptures and, and say listen to the radio or don't listen to the radio or look in the Scriptures and say, oh, I'm going to listen to secular music I'm going to listen to Christian music. It's not there. And it's not something that we could argue about, really. And so I had a conviction about it. Somebody else had another conviction about it. And the best way that we're going to live together, the best way that we're going to move forward together, the best way that we are going to work together for for the work of the kingdom and the work of Jesus and we're going to function as His body, the best way is that we're going to keep that between us and God. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. You're going to do what you're supposed to do. I've got convictions now that, that, and I've shared this before in the past, where I can't see certain kinds of movies because they bother me. They bother my sleep and they bother the way that I think and they bother me. Do I think that that's true for everybody? I know it's not true for everybody. I know it's not. I would never think that. I would never think that because I have an issue with something, I look at somebody else and say, well, why don't you have an issue with that? In the same way, you should look at me and say, well, what are you, weak-minded? You can't take that? That's my favorite kind of movie. And so, what's that ever going to lead to? Nothing. Nothing. And so, what's going to happen is, if you want me to go see a movie like that with you, I'll probably politely decline. I don't need to tell you, I don't need to tell you and school you on why it's evil and why it's bad for you. I just politely decline. I can't do it tonight. Sorry. And that's all there is to it. And in that case, I'm the weaker brother. But if you know I have a problem with that kind of movie, no. and you're the stronger brother or sister, no. then you know I have a problem with it, you're probably not going to invite me to it. You say, oh, why don't we go see a science fiction movie instead? No. Or some other kind of movie, right? If you really want to go to the movies. And so we kind of work with each other like that. Does it make sense to everybody? Yes, it does. All right, so we're, we're working with each other and we're, we're, we're you know, in, in that kind of a way. Well, what's allowed for me? Allowed by who? By God. And, and you know what? He might speak to me specifically about certain things that I don't do. But He'll speak to you about certain things that you don't do. Could be a season too, right? Could. Absolutely. There was a season for me talking about the music thing where I didn't listen to any secular music. I just didn't. I listened to Christian music, and that was it. But then, as this time would change, that was probably a year and a half, maybe, that happened. And then as time would change, I, I, I mean, I, I grew up listening to all kinds of music. And so then I began to add more music back into what I listened <coughs> to. But there was a time there where my focus was just plainly and simply on Jesus. And he, he, I think, he arranged that for me. I needed that. And so, when I started introducing other kinds of music, you know, it wasn't hypocritical, as some people would want me to believe. It was just moving forward with Jesus and in a living relationship with Him, and what He had for me, what He knew was best for me, what He knew was best for my life and my growth and my maturity in Him. And I was going to follow after that. And what's kind of weird about it is that even though over time I've moved into greater freedom and liberty in certain areas of my life, there's been other areas in my life where I've moved into an even greater and closer connection and relationship with Him and away from things that I used to do. And I just don't care. I don't even miss Him. So, but I don't expect other people to do that. I expect you to do that. I expect you to grow in Jesus. I expect you to respond to Him. I expect you to hear His voice and do what He says. I expect you to be obedient. I do expect that, but I don't know what that is, though, or what that looks like for you. So, so if I again, if I know, I'll help you with that. And, but if I don't know, then I'm not going to make it my business to know either. Or to try to tell you how to be like that. And I'll tell you something, and and those of you that know me for a while, you know this about me. If I speak something directly to you about something I see, then I'm only doing that because I really believe I'm supposed to. Otherwise, you will hardly ever hear me do that. And that has driven, the fact I won't do that has driven people right out of this church. I will not be that directive with people. And people hate that, some people do. They want to be told what to do. And I just I'm not gonna do it. And people have left over that. That's okay. I'm not gonna violate my conscience or what I believe in order to please somebody and make them feel like they're off the hook when it comes to hearing from God themselves. I won't do it? So you're on the hook. You are on the hook. And you need to hear from God, and you need to do what He tells you to do. But again, if you hear me talking to you about something like that, then there's a reason I'm talking to you. There is a reason that comes up. I'm not just off my cuff saying, oh, I think this is a good idea. I'm not using those words. But you should hear that a little bit differently. Alright? And that's just honestly. That's that's who I that's where I'm coming from. So let's, let's look at matters of conscience. Go uh, in, in Romans fourteen, go up to verse fourteen. Just just write up in the chapter and read that, somebody. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That's Romans fourteen, fourteen? No. Oh, I am sorry. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. All right. Now, what does that say? And, and I know everybody wants to be careful about interpreting that verse because you get all kind of weird about it. Because people get, Christians get weird about that verse. What is Paul actually saying here? Everything's okay. Everything's clean. But, what's the problem? Well, one of the ways I've always interpreted that is if I took a bottle of liquor and sat it on the table, I believed all the evils of liquor that my mom told me, then that thing should have done something really horrendous. And I waited, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, my feeling was that that thing was not unclean. What, what's unclean, though? My own motives and desires. Right. So what makes things unclean is what's inside of us. Yeah. That's what makes it unclean. Because that's what Paul says, that nothing's unclean of itself, but how does it become unclean? Through you. You're, you're the filter, all right? You're the thing. And what it comes down to is that you're unclean. I'm unclean. I'm not pointing to you. I'm unclean. <laughs> blame it on me I'm unclean alright and so I have and because it's me that's where the relationship with Jesus comes in that's why you look at stuff and it's like this that well that person doesn't seem to have a problem with this right they don't but they have a problem with this that's silly yep to you but to them it's silly you have a problem with that you're following right that it's individualized we all have our issues in and, of, in and of these things like for example again not trying to cast anything onto this I don't have a problem with gambling I just don't I, 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 I'm not tempted I mean you show me a bunch of slot machines give me a handful of money whatever I'll sit there and drink the free soda and I'll pump as many pennies or nickels or quarters that you want me to pump into that machine. I'll win some, I'll lose some. I'll walk out of there if I spend 20 bucks. Cool. Probably drink 20 bucks worth of soda. All right, fine. Take me to the horse track. I got $20 in my pocket. I'm perfectly happy making $2 bets through 10 races. I'll win some, I'll lose some. I walk out of there with twenty dollars or zero. I don't care. But I spent a whole day for twenty dollars. I never. I don't even think about it any other way. There's nothing in me. It's like one more. I'm gonna win. One more. It's definitely gonna work this time. Nope. Never crosses my mind. I'm watching the things turn. Ding, ding, ding. All right. All right. This place. This whole place is in business. Because of sucker's like me that keeps pumping money into these machines. And I have such a bigger chance of losing than I do of winning. Because these people are rich. <laughs> not tempted. Doesn't bother me. But other people have issues. And it does bother them. And it's a real problem. And I understand that. I'm just not wired that way. But I know other people are. And you can look at other, you know, other things like that and, and, and all of these, these, what could be or this or that for this person but not for that person or, or whatever. <clears throat> what it boils down to is me and you. That's what it boils down to. And so we have our issues, we have our, our darkness, we have the things that are, are wrong with us. And that's why Jesus speaks to each of us. That's why he he gives us these these heart limitations in our lives. When he says, don't do that. Okay. You reach a point at some point where you just believe that he's looking out for your best interest. And you're okay with it. You're happy. He's not trying to keep you from something that's good for you. He's trying to keep you from something that's really bad for you. And there may come a day where that thing... Well, maybe it's not bad for you, and, and it's okay. I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe that's the rest of your life. And if it is good, it's fine. You'll be happier the rest of your life if you follow it. That's between you and Him. So the things you believe about matters of opinion. like Those kind of things that I'm talking about. That really matters. God's will toward you and your life. That, that's what we're talking about. What's God's will toward you and your life? What's his purpose for you? Do you really believe he has your best interest in mind? Then you'll do what he says. Then you'll hear him and do it. Because you'll trust him. And he's like, oh, okay, he's looking out for me. I'm going to trust him on this, and I'm going to leave that behind. Good. You've made a wise decision if you can do that. If you trust him and you leave behind what he tells you to leave behind, you've made a wise decision. If you hear what he says and you decide you're going to do whatever you want, you've made a poor decision. And it brings destruction, destruction under our lives. It just does. And, and you can look at the person next to you, well, it's not destroying his life, right? That's correct. Because the problem's in you. Well, it's not destroying my friend's life. That's correct. Not a problem. Problem's in you. You can't do it. So Stop. Make a decision. Make a, make a grown-up decision. Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. You have my best interest in mind. I'm stopping. That's it. And that's the end of it. Now, I know addictions go a lot deeper, and I, I understand all that. But I'm talking about, we're talking about some basic things in life right here. Some basic ways <coughs> that we're going to live. Basic ways that we're going to succeed in life, we're going to have abundance in life. Basic ways that we interact with our God, that we relate to Him, and that He relates to us. These are very basic to who we are. And just to get it straight. Really, just to get it straight. In in, in my life, God wants us to live. He really does. And so there's certain things that that are okay, alright, that's allowed. Certain things that were denied. Because he really wants us to live abundantly. <clears throat> and it seems like the, the things that were denied were thinking, oh, that's the thing that's going to make me happy. No, it's not. Nope. It's the thing that's going to ruin you. And so some of the things I was thinking of was like, so what are some matters of conscience? What i say, eating, drinking, music, movies, dress. What else? What else are matters of conscience you can think of? Maybe. I, I mean, can't watch the nightly news. Okay, yeah. I can't handle it. Something as simple as what used to be what everyone did at 6 o'clock, right? Or mm-hmm. 6.30. Yeah. Maybe you can't do that. What else? Like swearing. Yeah. Maybe maybe you use certain language, in, or maybe you don't use certain language. What about sex? Sex. Well, that's two things. You got two sides on that. You've got you, part of sex as a matter of conscience, but you also have a part of sex that's laid out in the scriptures. Where God says, this is okay and this isn't okay. And so he, so within the parameters of what he says is okay or not okay, you know, we don't really don't have to get a word on whether if he says okay or not okay. If it says not okay, it's not okay. We don't need a word on that, it just isn't okay. But if there's other things that we don't really have a clear word on or something, then those become matters of conscience. Anything else you can think of? Those are good ones. You know, you think about traditional things like, uh, like here's one that maybe is obscure, like I won't, um, I won't swear like legally because it's a matter of conscience for me. I affirm. So if I'm in a court of law, they have to change how they do the, because I've had to testify in a court of law, and they have to change the oath. Because I won't do it. Or if I ever sign a contract, I change the oath on the contract so I can sign it. But that's my matter of conscience. I won't do that. Doctors. Doctors. Meds. Okay. Some people will take meds, some people won't. Right. So each of these, and there's more than that, of course. of course. There's more than that, and and so what we don't want to do with one another is we don't want to stir up judgment. Why do you stir up judgment in people? Make yourself better. What's that? Make you yourself better.
1: Yeah, you make you, you want to feel
0: superior. You want to feel superior? That's why you stir it up. And, and I've often wondered about that, uh, about that idea of offending others or hurting others or being disrespectful or mean to others. And, and, if, and I've often thought about that among people who are disrespectful or mean or offensive or, or hurtful toward others. What would happen if everybody decided to be offensive, hurtful, disrespectful, or mean to that person. Are you following what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you know there's always people that are going to do that. Always. And we've worked with them. We've went to school with them, probably. Now we've been around them somewhere in our families. And they get away with being hurtful or disrespectful or, or mean or offensive or whatever because other people just aren't, they won't do it. They're wired differently. In other words, it may be against my conscience, or maybe against what I believe God has for me to be that mean to somebody, or to be that offensive to somebody, or maybe against what I believe to be that disrespectful to somebody, that hurtful to somebody. I'm not saying it never happens, but if it's in the core of my being, you know, part of my values and stuff, then I'm probably not going to be that way. And I've often thought it's like, well, most of us feel that way, right? And so one way or another, we're we're fairly respectful to one another. We're fairly, it's how society works. We're fairly respectful to one another. We're fairly non-offensive as much as we can be, especially in like work environments and stuff. So, all right, cool. But what if the offensive person, that was turned on them? I I, think, from what I've seen, most people that just stand out can't take it. Right, right, right. Right, but polite society doesn't normally do that. I'm just saying, it's still enough polite society that it doesn't happen that way. Well, now the schools are protecting the bullies. <sighs> well, I mean, it, it's like, uh, well... That's a different subject. Though. Yeah, but the, the idea is, is that we, we don't generally strike back. And so, coming out from the way I first started, what I was just saying is, why do we stir things up? Because we want to feel superior. Well, the person stirring things up probably starts out feeling inferior, and I can't imagine we'd be able to take much of the same kind of mean, disrespectful, offensive talk, hurtful talk, that they're dishing out, which, Don, I think that's what you were saying. So sometimes it helps us just to see where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. You know, I, I know when I was a kid, we weren't really like that. But I, I'm old enough that when I was a kid, if some kid mouthed off at you, you might get a punch right in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how society regulated itself back then. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Yeah, it police did something. Yeah, so you kind of understood. It's like, all right, I'm a punk. Am I going to keep talking to these guys like that? I'm going to keep getting punched in the mouth. Or maybe I should start thinking about how I'm communicating. <laughs> and, and I think for a lot of kids, it helped them out in some ways. And I'm not necessarily advocating. You know, whatever. I'm not advocating anything. I'm telling you, that's how I grew up. That's all. And it kind of took care of itself. So by the time we were adults, we were all like, eh, a little more civil. You learn the consequences to your actions. So you get a little more civil, you get a little <laughs> more respectful of one another. You grow up, you mature. Life goes on. And so the big question here, and this is what I want to say, is that we're going to talk with one another. We're going to share with one another. We're going to speak to one another. Here's a, one question. Does it edify? Is it building anything? That's what the word edify means. It means to build something. Am I building anything with this or not? Right? If you're tearing down, you may want to rethink what you're saying. If you're ripping up, you may want to rethink what you're saying. we, We want to think about, how can I build something here? How can I actually take the words that I'm using, how can I speak this out... And, and how can I build something? Because, you know, you can be materially right about something but still sin because you misuse what you're right about. You can be materially right about something that you say and still sin because you're misusing it. You're not building anything. You're just ripping something up. Because the truth, the truth can be a weapon if you use it that way. It's well, used against us all the time, by right? Satan. Well, I mean, he right is now. the accuser of the brethren. He doesn't need to make anything up. No. Alright? <clears throat> not necessarily. It's not like we're not living a life where there's plenty of material for Satan to accuse us of. The trick isn't whether or not Satan's got material to accuse us. The trick is, is that Satan isn't God. And that there's provision for our our lives. And there's provision for our relationship with Him. And and so, the reality of it is, is that we're going to live in in some kind of harmony with God. We're going to live in some kind of relationship with God, understanding that there's been provision made for that. Well, part of our lives, one with each other, is that we're building something. And we're not tearing it down. I mean, I could give you examples about how the truth can be used as a weapon if you really want me to, but I doubt I can figure out anything to say that wouldn't hurt somebody sitting here. And that's, this is the truth about that. Is that, what am I going to say? I mean, I can make a statement you know, like a whatever statement. And I, and I can't because I probably am going to hurt somebody's deal. I mean, I can say the sky is blue. You know. Or I can say grass is green. Those are true statements. This rug's green. That wall's green. Yeah, I make some true statements. And we can speak the truth, Jesus loves you, God cares for you, God's made provision for your life, I can speak all that truth, but you know there's things I could say that'd be hurtful too. So, we we need to to look at that, instead of being just, I'm justifying what I say because I'm materially right, you have to ask yourself, am I really building anything here, or am I tearing something up, or tearing something down? Am I just making myself feel better? That is not a good enough reason to hurt other people. That is not a good enough reason to be offensive. That's not a good enough reason to be mean or disrespectful. Nope. But does it edify? The last thing I want to talk to you about is the whole idea of sin in this equation. Where does sin come into this? Well, I'm going to use a a phrase from Paul, and that is, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And sin is, it could be using liberty in, in an undue manner. In other words, using our liberty for the wrong reasons. Using our freedom for the wrong reasons. The verse here talks about being blessed. And that word blessed is a state of mind in which we are happy. That that word happy is connected to the word blessed in the New Testament. So when you read the word blessed, like blessed are the peacemakers, happy, that's what that means, happy. Blessed are pure in heart, they shall see God, that's happy. That's what that means, happy. So, so it's all part of that, so it's a state of mind where we're happy. So somebody look at 1 John 3, 21. Your friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Alright, thanks. Now, kind of an interesting verse there that John wrote, saying, If our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, though, because what do we know about the heart? Deceitful above all else. The heart is deceitful above (laughs) all things. Who can know it? And the answer to that question is God. So as God is in the process of working in us and moving in us, there there's a certain uh, change that takes place in our hearts. There's a certain cha- change that's taking place in our innermost being. Now now think about the word heart too. And I've talked about this before at a retreat and also a service. Where when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about our our innermost being, kind of that the bowels of mercies. The Bible talks about. And that innermost being that is in us. And there's real emotion there. And there's real thinking things going on down there. Down here in the gut. Yep. We, we have ganglia down there and brain parts and stuff. Stuff that's in our brains, also in our guts. They uh, just measured uh, the number of neurons in our guts. And they figured out that it has about the same thinking capacity as a household pet. It's in our gut. That's at least the latest science from scientists, and so there is a, a certain communication that takes place between our gut and our brain. But the one thing about the heart that you know what you can't trust about the heart—the emotion part of it—you don't make decisions based on emotions. It's deceitful, and you will you'll make bad decisions continually. Does that mean you shouldn't experience emotions? No, you should experience emotions. How you gonna know? How you got to know? You don't experience them. Well, you got to experience them. God has emotions. He made us in His image. And so there's emotions. And so sometimes you got a feeling in your gut about something, right? Sometimes you're happy. You ever have a gut laugh? Like you just start laughing so hard, you know it's coming from there? (laughs) Or you get nervous. Where do you get butterflies? Yeah, right in your gut, right? There's something real to that. (laughs) And that part of us there is communicating with this part of us up here. That's communicating with that part of us down there. And it's a real thing. What you got feeling? There's a real thing to that. At least as smart <clears throat> as a household pet. <laughs> I'm not going to run my life on that though. I got Maggie in my gut. Well, you understand what I mean, though. I'm not going to run my life based on my gut scripture, whose God is in his belly. Right. So. You can't run your life out of your belly. You just can't. You can't. But God uses that part of us as some, a way to communicate with us. He uses that part of us as a way to connect with us. He uses that part of us that, that he will send his Holy Spirit in and through that part of us into our lives. There's something real about it. There is something real about it. And so as, as John was saying here, 1 John, it's like, if we're clear, in other words, we're not living in guilt, and we're not living in shame, and we're not living somehow in, in, in trying to prove something, or whatever it is that's going on there, then we have a confidence before God. God didn't call us to live in guilt and shame. He didn't call us to live like that. And so some people are like, well, I know in my knower. Well, where's your knower? <laughs> Down there somewhere. All right? But again, I am not going to run my life based on my gut. <clears throat> I'm going to get about as successful as my dog. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty successful, but not as successful as I think I can be if, I, if I'm working, you know, all the facilities that God gave me, faculties that God gave me. All right? So I'm not going to run out of my emotions all the time, although I'm going to experience my emotions, I'm going I'm to have a life of emotion, and I'm not going to run on those, I'm not going to let those dictate to me what my decisions are, because I'll be deceived a lot if I do. But I'm also not going to ignore when the <laughs> Holy Spirit brings conviction into my life. I'm not going to ignore when God speaks to me through that part of my life and to be ready and open to receive that and to hear what He has to say. I'm not going to ignore that either. And so I'm going fi- to find out, figure out, learn the balance between, okay, is this God speaking to me? Yeah, I hear you, God. Like, let's say you don't hear His voice today, but you know He's speaking to you and you know there's something going on you need to make a change. Well, then you know Make the change. You're living in guilt or you're living in shame. Make the change. You know it's not right. Make the change. That's all I can tell you. And I'm not here trying to tell you what to change. I'm not telling you what needs to change tonight. I don't know that. But there may be some matters going on in your life where you're living in self-condemnation and you're miserable stop makes a change that's not freedom that's not liberty living in self-condemnation living all miserable like that living in guilt yeah it's kind of interesting is that that in your freedom, What are your allowances? And what are your limitations? I can't answer that. I mean, I I can read things from the scriptures that are are plainly written. If you want me to. You can read them yourself, though. But for a lot of things in our life, that's between you and God. You've got to figure it out. It's not really figuring it out. It's just doing what He tells you. Like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm done. Okay, God, I hear you. That's not important. Okay, God, that, oh, all right. I should stop that. I should reconsider these decisions or whatever it is. Martin Luther called things, those things that he said, those are the things that you accept. There are certain things that you accept in your life. Whether it's freedoms or Limitations. But there's a reality to that and there's a life to it. And that's going to be up to you. And I can not tell you a number of times people said you can't leave that up to people. Yeah, I can. Because <laughs> it's up to them anyway. I can try to tell them you can't do that. They'll go do it. But I can tell them, hey, that's not allowed. <coughs> They'll do it. I'm not watching. <laughs> the limitation is going to come from in you. The freedom is going to be manifest in you. The liberty is going to be manifest in you. Whom the the sun sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is the Spirit of the Lord? In you. There is a liberty. Freedom and liberty, they're not out somewhere, floating around. They're in you. And if you're going to live in that, and you're going to live in the freedom and the liberty that God's given you, then you've got to accept the freedom and the liberty, but you need to also accept the limitations that God has. Because living in that kind of sin, that's a dictator in your life. And your freedom erodes because of it. I mean, you think the addicted gambler is free? Well, he's doing what he wants. Is he free? No. Now, my dad had a gambling addiction. My dad did. We lost two houses to his addiction. And two cars. Two houses, two cars. Lived in the projects for a year because of it. We weren't free. He did what he wanted, but we weren't free. And I lived in that. And know what that is. So, whether or not you need to change your definitions, whatever needs to happen in your heart and in your mind, there is a freedom and there is a liberty that God has for you, that He has for me. But there's also a prison you can just as fast put yourself in if you choose to. God doesn't want that for us, He wants us free. God wants us in liberty. He wants to set you free tonight. And he wants you to live in liberty. And the way that He's chosen that we're going to all live together is that what His deal is with us is His deal. Alright? Live it. Live it. Love the person next to you. Be concerned about it. If they ask you for help, give it to them. If you know a weakness they have, don't rub it in their face. Support them in that. Does this all make sense to you? I hope it does. And and don't be mean. Don't be mean. Don't be cruel. Don't be offensive. Don't be disrespectful. Just to make yourself feel better. Because you don't want that. You do not want that coming down on you. Don't do it to others. Let's take a few minutes to respond. I just believe God is is speaking just specifically. And we're all in different places and there's different things going on in our lives. And that's kind of the point of what I'm talking about tonight is that we are in different places and there are different things going on in our lives. And that's just where we're at. But but let's individually, right where you're sitting, why don't you just respond to God in, in an area that He's speaking to you about right now. An area that... That maybe he's talking to you about or or that you really felt that God just brought a little conviction there on the Holy Spirit. That down in your gut, you got that conviction feeling right then. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know I need to change that. I know I need to deal with that. I know I need to cut that off. I know there's more freedom that I can step into here and now tonight. You know, whatever it is, whatever God's speaking to you, I just want to encourage you to just respond to Him right there. Yeah, I don't want to be that mean person anymore. Yeah. I don't want to live in bondage. Not anymore. <laughs> I want to live all bound up. I want to be free. I want to know what that kind of liberty is in my life and that kind of freedom. Yeah. God, I pray that you just begin to take shackles off of people tonight. That yeah, you take shackles and weights off of people, off their ankles and their hands and their wrists, God, and you begin to set people free. That I rebuke shame and guilt in the name of Jesus. I read the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus, even the, the, the accusations of the enemy. God, I pray that you'd set us free from that. We want to love you tonight. We want to live in that love. We want to live in that relationship that you have for us. Thanks, God. Like I said, just take care of some business. the next few moments. You between you and God, really make it between you and him. What's he saying to you? God, I pray that we'd be free. I pray that we'd live in liberty tonight. Thank you for caring enough about us to set some limitations on us. Thank you for knowing us well enough to know what's going to be really, really bad for us and what's so very, very good for us. Thank you for speaking into our lives. Thank you, God, for, for, for speaking limitations over us. I pray that we'd be obedient children knowing that you know best and you want the best for each one of us tonight. Thank you, God. So, Lord, we leave behind things we need to leave behind tonight. We take up the freedom and the liberty that you have for us. We give you thanks. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your concern. And thanks for your care over us. Thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. That's what I say, amen. 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 <laughs> amen.